Reason 365,422,000 to support us on Patreon. We um, had our account locked. Our server was locked over the weekend. And turned out it was time to pay the bill. And it was a doozy. And under normal circumstances, it would have caused quite an issue. But because of our patrons, we had money in our account. And we were able to quickly move that over pay our dues and get our account turned back on to where you really didn't notice, I don't think, that our account had been frozen. We appreciate our patrons, so please head over to patreon.com slash comicsfunprofit and support us at any level to keep the lights on. Literally, figuratively, keep the lights on. And we appreciate those of you who do. Thank you so much. Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing artist Tom Riley. He's here to promote Ant-Man. It is a four-part mini-series celebrating Ant-Man's 60th anniversary. And I'll be honest to you, I didn't know that until I read the issue this morning. Okay. But yeah. So now, it's from, of course, it's from Marvel Comics. The first issue is out. Today on July 27th, I know listeners, when you guys listen to this, it's going to be sometime in August. So the second issue will be coming out on August 31st. And also, Tom is also the artist on the, the six-part um, The Thing miniseries that came out last year. But The Thing, the next big thing trade paperback comes out sometime in end of August or beginning of September, depending on... I, I know release schedules changes, so, you know, so just, you know, if you guys can catch the trade paperback when it comes out at that time, that'd be awesome. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Th Tom, thank you very much. And then, um, Tom, I gave you a warning because, you know, I, you know, as we do podcasts, you know, you know, we have to like, you know, wet our whistle a bit and stuff. What are you drinking tonight? I'm having a beer. I'm having a Pacifico Cerveza, just a kind of regular beer. No, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nothing fancy. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, mine's is nothing fancy. All I'm doing is drinking a, um, a Diet Bart root beer. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> the classic. <laughs> All right. So, Tom, I'm just going to go over your, your – um, you know, your, your comic book history work. And, you know, Tom, please feel free to just throw things in there or correct me. So I, I know you did some work for Marvel. Um, one of them was a Mighty Marvel Holiday Special Halloween with, um, with the Ringo Infinity Comics exclusive on Marvel Unlimited. I th hopefully I got that correct. <laughs> I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think it was just on the online Marvel um, kind of webcomic format. Yes. And it was a, like 10-page. They don't do like pages on those. They yes. told me it was like a 50-panel thing, which mm -hmm. equates to about 10 pages. And it featured Spider-Man and the Rhino. Oh, that's and it was It's a fun story. I'm pretty sure that's still up. People Actually, check it out. Do you know what? I'm sorry. It is the rhino. I miss. I, ha I have a misspelling. No wonder I was going. What is Ringo? Oh, Ringo. I. I yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's. I get it. The rhino. <laughs> okay. He did draw one of the best Spider-Men, though. So I. Oh. Surprised if it was included mm -hmm. in some sort of Ringo collection. 
And then also you've done um, Marvel Snapshots X-Men number one. Mm -hmm. um, you did Thor the Unworthy number one. And then also to you, now correct me if I'm wrong, you did um, a couple, either a couple issues or one shot during the Immortal Hulk run series. Is that correct? I did one half of an issue mm -hmm. sometime in 2019. So oh. I just did a 10 page mm -hmm. stint on that. And that was a lot of fun. I got to draw the whole kind of big splash page. So that's all you could really ask for. That's really, and that was, and were you working with Al Ewing at that time as well? He the, was the writer. Yeah. So not, I didn't work with him a lot, I've, a lot more recently. Mm -hmm. So no, that's pretty cool. Excuse me. And then for Dark Horse, um, you did the two-part story of Astra Hustler, Hustle. Is that correct? I did, yeah. That was my first book. Oh, that's nice. Okay. And then I know you did a variant cover for Dead Dogs Bite number four. It was like a this is what the infer um the research I did was uh was like one of the variant covers or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's one of my friends, Tyler Boss's creator-owned book, Dead Dog's Bite. It's really good. Mm -hmm. People should pick it up and check it out. Okay. All right. Now, for our listeners, Tom, is there any of your past works that you want listeners to really check out? Um, anything that you'd think you'd be interested in. I like, I like that X-Men Mm -hmm. One shot that I did with Darren, who's the editor of Ant-Man, Darren mm -hmm. Chan. And the writer, Jay Edidin, is maybe the foremost expert on Cyclops, who the comic centers on. Mm -hmm. He gets the character really well, and it was a lot of fun to do. Uh, okay. And um, mm -hmm. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the thing. I'm very proud of the thing. Um, working with Walter Mosley was a privilege. He's a super nice guy. That is nice. And um, I basically just got to draw a bunch of crazy fight scenes in every issue, mm -hmm. which is every comic artist's dream. Mm -hmm. So, and they just got crazier and crazier kind mm -hmm. of as the series went on. And it was a lot of fun. Oh, that is pretty Any, cool. But anything anyone would want to check out, mm -hmm. I would be grateful. Okay. All right. Now, before we, you know, begin the interview, you know, start out, before I start asking questions, I want to give a big out, a big shout out to Sue Lee. Now, Sue is the writer and artist for an upcoming Vampirella series um, from Dynamite that should be coming out, I think, in August. And um, she is, will be the artist on um, Carmilla. It's going to be a Dark Horse graphic novel that's going to come out in 2023. Now, Sue had a hand in setting up this interview so sue thank you very much for doing this thank you very much um tom i'm just gonna ask do you want to add anything to that i think that sue is great thanks sue mm -hmm. for getting me to come on the show asking me to come on the show i've seen some of the carmilla work that she's doing that's really good oh that's nice and i'm excited for people to check that out when it comes out and that um, sorry, off the cuff question, Tom, because I know Sue has her Twitch show, correct? Are you on that one? Are you guys? I'm on it. Yeah, when we do it, I'm on that show. Oh, okay. Um, when I can be. Sometimes I'm not. Um, just because I'd be drawing the whole time. 
Mm-hmm. And that wouldn't be very interesting. <laughs> Don't <laughs> see this view of me. <laughs> With your head uh, down at the drawing board. Yeah. <laughs> and mostly because when I'm on, I just have too much fun. I probably wouldn't be doing much work. Mm-hmm. So. Because I'm usually on that. I don't know when that'll come back. We're all pretty busy mm-hmm, at yeah. the moment. So. Yeah. Then started during COVID when we yes. all kind of, everyone's kind of got the pencils down mandate. No one had any work. So we mm-hmm. just decided to make something up that we could do. Yeah. And that was, it was also like the driving force of it. So yeah. mm-hmm. well, yeah, that's, to do that. that's really, and I'm sure we'll come back to it. Yeah. And then the other thing, because, when you mentioned that you guys are all busy right now, it's because, you know, you guys got a lot of upcoming projects, but also too conventions are pretty much back in full, almost at pretty much back in full swing. I know they are. Yeah. So kind of scary to think about because I don't know if all, I don't know if the things that are going on are, are quite done yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> things are picking back up and I am going to a few. Yes. In, mm-hmm. in the near future. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then um, I'll, um, towards the end, I'll ask you like which con appearances and so forth will you be? Sure. At? Yeah. Okay. Also, to you know, um, also I wanted to uh, let listeners know that I did get information from Tom's website, tomreillyart.com, and also I um, also I listed I checked out the um, audio podcast interview that you did last year. It was the um, jacked. Kirby podcast and it was yeah. that was episode one fifty five. That was a real good. That, I, I like that show. That was very. Was that good. last year? Was that not only a few months ago? I mean, oh was, no, I don't know. Time I, may have flown by. No, <laughs> no. Because all I know is that you guys were. I know you. You were. You got. They were talking about you know the thing miniseries, and I know you just kind of briefly mentioned. Yeah, I'm doing an Ant Man miniseries, and that was this like. I just automatically assumed it's probably from last year because I think was it, it might have been this. I think it was this year. Oh, okay. I, I was working on Ant Man. I think from February to a week ago, mm-hmm. July. So that's six months. Yeah. Thank. All right. And then lastly, I got the information from the um, Comic Vine website. All right. So Tom, I'm going to ask where can listeners follow you on social media? I will mostly post stuff. My drawings, sketches, and things onto Twitter, mm-hmm. Tom Riley Art. It's just mm-hmm. the same as my website. And also onto Instagram, um, Tom Riley Art again. Mm-hmm. So those are the two places to most regularly keep up with my work. Mm-hmm. I'll usually just post little sketches and stuff on there or um, just some bigger personal art pieces. I don't post a lot about what I'm working on until it's actually out mm-hmm. just because yeah. I don't know what I can really get away with showing on some of them some oh, yeah. of the things I'm doing mm-hmm. but um, if you want to check out some fun drawings I'm doing that's where to do it mm-hmm. my website is not up to date at all yeah. mm-hmm. so I need to uh, I need to update that mm-hmm. at some point <laughs> alright um, so where did you grow up I grew up kind of in two places. Mm-hmm. The first part of my life I spent in Illinois, mm-hmm. in like the Springfield area of Illinois. Yeah. So kind of a suburby town. It's where Abraham Lincoln lived 
in Illinois. So there's a bunch of Abraham Lincoln crap everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's a cool museum dedicated to him with uh-huh. all these creepy wax figures of him in like dioramas. Yes. And um, I lived there till I was about 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Mount Desert Island, Maine. Mm-hmm. And I lived there until I was about until I graduated from college, like 23 years old. So, uh-huh. and that's like an island in the middle of the ocean, like not quite Hawaii in the <laughs> yeah. middle of the ocean, but you have to cross a bridge to get yes. there. And I lived in a town called Seal Harbor, Maine, uh-huh. that had a population of 72 people. Wow. I mean, you guys, everybody pretty much know. Knew everybody then, kind you of. You knew everybody, yeah. And when my family moved away, we probably decreased the population by like eight percent or something. Uh-huh. Wow! So everybody knew each other, mm-hmm. and it was a big tourist destination. I think year-round, ten thousand people lived on the island, oh. and millions of people come during the summer to like do stuff on the island. It's where Acadia National Park is. Okay. It's a really nice national park. Okay. A lot of hiking, a lot of beaches. Not quite as nice and warm as Hawaii's beaches. Water is really cold and there's no pool, marine wildlife or anything. But still... But it's still nice. Yes, I'm kind of going, especially... For the East Coast side, I mean, to literally kind of like almost like get away from, because I, the the only part of the East Coast I've been to is Eastern Canada, Quebec, you know, just for, a, with a tour group. It's but, cool. Yeah, but, um, but I, but I, but just pictures I've seen on the news and stuff is like, you know, you see the beaches, you know, um, you know, but then all, you, know, you turn around, you, you still see the city. The, you know all the all the skyscrapers and stuff but oh know, yeah where you live it's like when they, you go to the sounds like when you go to the beach you you're you're like um in a nice different paradise there because when you turn around it's all you see is nature yeah there's oh. no there's no buildings i think taller than 100 feet yeah or anything right. and they're supposed to be only 50 feet tall there's a mandate Mm-hmm. Some rich guy bought a block in the biggest town on the island that was just building taller buildings. Mm-hmm. Not very interesting <laughs> to talk about. But yeah, it's cool. It's kind of secluded. It's a lot, it was a lot of fun um, for four months out of the year. The other eight were like horrible winter. Oh, God. And yes. like, it's a summer kind of tourist. Mm-hmm community so the economy is based on tourism yeah so half the year all the fun stuff to do is like closed because mm-hmm. there's no tourists there mm-hmm. so they they all just go on vacation to like mm-hmm. florida and stuff and then they come back mm-hmm. in the summer and they open up their shops and yeah, like, that, yeah no yes i i under i understand i'm uh, sure glad you know a lot about tourism i'm sure yes but um because, but for us, it's like tour. You know, our shops are open year round. But I, but I'm gonna say I understand when you say that there's some shops 
that are open during the summer and they close down when the fall starts rolling and then they start moving. They have another shop in Florida that they go to Yeah. because um, me and my wife, we did, we did an Alaskan tour years That's ago. Cool. We went to, our first stop was Anchorage and I, I can't remember where we heard it from. We heard something like, um, we were like, I think we actually, we were almost like, <clears throat> The second to the last cruise um, before uh, they closed for, before Anchorage, you know, like kind of sort of closed down for the winter for tourism, Mm. for their tourism. And someone said, yeah, you know, these shops, you know, when they close, you know, for the winter over here, they go to, and I remember they said Florida, you know, because they, I don't know, some shop had like all over, like one was in Florida. I'm sure they have like other places, but yeah, but I understood why. It's it's kind of like a sort of a seasonal work thing. Yeah. But yeah. Well, that's where I grew up. Those okay. two places. All right. So, Tom, I'm going to ask, do you remember what was your first comic you read? It could be anything from manga, Sunday comics. I don't remember exactly the first. I do know the... I had a lot of, like, Garfield collections. Yeah. I read a lot of Barfield when I was like a young kid, Mm -hmm. and I read a lot of uh, The Far Side. Oh my god, yes. Just one of my favorites, Mm -hmm. and it still holds up more than Garfield for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think my favorite of those like Sunday strips is Calvin and Hobbes. Oh my god. Probably like a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Bill Watterson can draw anything. He's like really good. There's action. There's legitimate great draftsmanship. Yes. In mm-hmm. Calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. And then, um, let's see. Um, now, correct me if and it's off the cuff question. Now, correct me if I'm wrong because I think the first comic book you picked up or you started to read was Ultimate Spider-Man. Is that correct? Yeah, the first like sequential. <clears throat> like kind of superhero book I got was Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was awesome with Mark mm-hmm. Bagley and Brian Michael Bendis. Yes. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. It was like a collection where in the very beginning yeah, he like lost his costume. Mm-hmm. So he just didn't have it. Yeah. And Mary Jane like made him this crappy costume out of like a baggy <laughs> shirt and a pair of like cargo pants. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he had like a mask with like a lens that was missing and he wore that for the entirety of like the five issue trade paperback I had or something. It was I thought that was awesome that he just lost it mm-hmm. and he didn't have it for in real time like half a year. Yeah. <laughs> he just didn't have his Spider-Man costume. I thought I thought that was really funny. You know, I'm going to I have to see that. Now, I haven't I've read a couple issues of the Ultimate Spider-Man but but what you're telling me, that's pretty cool. Because, like, you know, if they kind of did it, like, the half a year span, you know, that's pretty cool to kind of really show, like, okay. I mean, in, yeah, comic book time, it was, like, a day. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> readers had to wait, like, a month for it to come out. And it was, like, three or – it was, like, four issues or something that yeah. he didn't have it. He, like, met the X-Men in one of them. Mm-hmm. The ultimate X-Men, and they, like, brought him to the X-Mansion. Mm-hmm. And instead of his, like, long, baggy 
long sleeve like Spider-Man shirt. He was just wearing an X-Men t-shirt with X-Men <laughs> on it mm-hmm. and his like Spider-Man gloves and mask and mm-hmm. pants. And I think that's a great Spider-Man look. I've always thought it's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you mentioned Brian Michael Bendis, Mark Bagley, who wrote and drew the ultimate um, Spider-Man series. Um, did you ever meet them at a I've con? Before. I've yet to meet them. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be nice. They're yeah. incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bagley's been doing it forever. His yes. Spider-Man, his Spider-Man is right up there with the best. Mm-hmm. Yes. Iconic. Mm-hmm. So, and I think the Ultimate books are his best work, yes. probably. Mm-hmm. I really like that stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe someday, hopefully. Yeah. I let I, them know that I appreciated what they did. Oh, that that would be really nice if you do meet him. You know, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, because usually I think um, like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at some conventions they'll probably have the artists, the creators come in a little bit early to set up their stuff, but I've seen pictures yeah. behind the scenes. They're always kicking around before yeah. and after everything. So who so, knows? Maybe someday, yeah. Yeah. All right. So Drew, the Comics for Fun and Profit um, co-host submitted this question. Do you remember what was your very first comic shop that you went to? I don't remember the name of it. It was in Springfield, Illinois. It was next door to Bowling Alley. Mm-hmm. And I would go there before I got into comic book stuff. I'm pretty sure I bought the Ultimate Spider-Man book there. Mm-hmm. But I used to go there to buy... Do you know what the hero clicks are? Yeah. Yeah, I used to buy little hero clicks. Yes. I didn't play the game or anything. I know they were like attached to a, like a game. Yeah. I just liked them as the little figures. So yes. I would just go like buy little one-off uh, hero clicks because I thought they were funny and I just put them on my shelf. Yeah. Like a seven-year-old. No, but but I understand because I think... No, but I mean, like I said, I really understand because... Um, because, like, you know, um, action, you know, like, they really... When you were growing up, they, you know, at that time, because I kind of sort of remember that time was... You know, they didn't really made pocket-sized action figures, or well, the only pocket-sized action figures were like just Star Wars and GI Joe. I but know no. that when I was around, maybe eight or ten or something. Mm-hmm. That's when, like, I think the Marvel Legends started to come back. Like mm-hmm. Hasbro mm-hmm. started making them again. I had like the first appearance Spider-Man action figure. I remember with like, okay. the black and the red. That is now worth like a lot of money. Yeah, uh, I like lost it. It's, it's like in a horrible condition now. But mm-hmm. I remember having that specifically because I've seen nowadays that that uh, can be sold for a pretty penny. Mm-hmm. But also too, but the hero clicks. If I remember correctly, they they just and you gotta refresh my memory. But they didn't just make the regular popular superheroes. They made you know, like, wow, they made a whole, they made a bunch of, I like, I didn't figure they would make a Moldock or something like that, you know? Yeah. As a seven-year-old or however old I was, I probably was not getting, like, the obscure characters. Mm-hmm. I probably had a lot of Spider-Man ones. I remember having specifically a pretty cool Spider-Man one, too, like, 
Yeah, like, like the, a little brick chimney or something. Yeah, the, they made them all. Yeah, mm-hmm. they all had the little clicky thing at the bottom. Yeah, I mm-hmm. didn't know what it did, but I it was tactile and fun to spin around. So mm-hmm. I, I did it. No, I, I have fond memories of that. I don't remember the name of the shop. No, but I hope they're still around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, how did your how did you start? Um, how did your journey start working in comics? I'm gonna just. I'm trying to think of how to answer that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Because I probably I think that I wanted to start drawing comic books when I was at the Rhode Island School of Design, mm-hmm. RISD. Because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do when I got there. Mm-hmm. I knew that if I could do something art-related as a job, it would probably be pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I decided to try and get in there, and I did. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was originally thinking like animation or something. Because mm-hmm. they have a they have a good uh, animation program and stuff there. Mm-hmm. They didn't really have a lot of comic classes. I think they had one mm-hmm. that I took yeah. when I decided that's what I wanted to do. It was around like twenty, I guess fourteen. I was maybe a sophomore mm-hmm. in college when I started seeing like some art in comic books that I really I like enjoyed seeing it was like yeah. chris omni's art mm-hmm. i like doc shaner's art a lot mm-hmm. that's why i kind of started mm-hmm. and it's also around that time is when i started using social media stuff a little bit more than i used to so i kind of got to see that art a little more frequently yeah and um it made me think that i kind of wanted to make art like that mm-hmm and study artists with those similar kinds of sensibilities and see mm-hmm. if I glean some information from mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of when I originally decided I wanted to make comic book yeah. art for a living because I always liked it. Yes. But I didn't really know anything about how to do it. So I took those classes in college mm-hmm. and they uh, were very demanding. Mm-hmm. very demanding it was like they wanted you to like every week mm-hmm. pretty much hand in like 20 pages of either pencils and then inks or like and then yeah. layouts yes. like kind of a full comic book mm-hmm. done in like increments every week and it was a lot of work it's more work than it takes to actually kind of make a a real one mm-hmm. you usually get about double the time like you get like six ish weeks mm-hmm. for a deadline at least in my experience mm-hmm. on average so it trained me to work fast yes mm-hmm. which is nice and then um graduated mm-hmm. and i started to just post drawings i was making on social media mm-hmm. and started to gain a little bit of a following mm-hmm. and I'd heard cause I didn't really know how to get into the yeah. industry, the mm-hmm. comic book industry. And there's not really one way. Oh yes. Yeah. I've learned there's 
if you ask 20 different people, it's probably 20 different answers as yes. to how they got work. Mm -hmm. um, the one tried and true thing that I like, I tried to like look it up was to go to conventions yes. and pedal like, little ash cans mm -hmm. yeah. from different artists and editors and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, I was staying at like my dad's house in Houston, Texas. And I just drew little five page ash cans. Mm -hmm. And I went to like a Boston convention and a Baltimore convention. Mm -hmm. And I just handed them out to people. Mm -hmm. whose art that I liked. Oh. And mm -hmm. that didn't get me a job, but it was <clears throat> it was valuable to meet mm -hmm. those people mm -hmm. and to actually do the work mm -hmm. to consistently produce pages. Yes. Really what I ended up getting a job over was just consistently posting on social media and then somebody noticed my stuff mm -hmm. and that is what turned into Astro Hustle with Dark Horse. Oh, that's nice. So off the cuff question, can you ask like, did, did you get an email or did I just got a DM from Twitter? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And the, I think that I've, Social media, I think, is a pretty good tool for getting work nowadays. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. It can be kind of hard with algorithms and stuff to get your work noticed. Um, but editors are always on the websites looking yes. mm -hmm. for different art. And you can't just walk into, like, the main yeah. office of DC Comics and put your portfolio on the desk anymore. I think that's you can do that back in the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's at least what I've heard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now you kind of have a platform where you can just put it out there and mm -hmm. anyone can see it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you, um, how did it feel to see your name on Astro Hustle the first time you, you saw it? How, how, did, you, how did you feel? Um, it felt good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really feel good anymore. I don't know if you know what happened with that book. No, no. no. There was the, no, the writer. Go... I'll tell. I mean, okay. I'll, I'll talk about it. Just the writer of the book was accused of some oh. inappropriate sexual behavior. Oh, I'm sorry. So, okay. Yeah. I quit the book. Mm -hmm. I heard out when I heard that, mm -hmm. and it was, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it was not an incredible situation. Yeah. And it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Cancel the book. Dark Horse, it was supposed to be four issues and they canceled it mm -hmm. after two, which is the right decision. Mm -hmm. um, felt good at first. See mm -hmm, it? Yeah. Because it's like you, you made it kind of. So yes. Dark Horse is a big publisher. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, does not feel very good right now. Mm -hmm. It probably never will. Mm. I'm sorry for that sad answer. No, I'm just I'm sorry that that happened. I did not I'm not sorry about what happened to me. I'm sorry for mm -hmm. everyone else. Yeah. That it affected. So But also things, mm -hmm. things took a turn though. 
yeah. positively for I guess for me, which is nice. Yeah, I wasn't sure I'd ever get any more work because it's your first book and you're nobody really knows who you are. Yeah, mm-hmm. and after your book gets canceled like that, you don't know if it's hard enough to get in, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's hard to stay in. Mm-hmm. So you never know. Yeah, thankfully, I got more work, and yes. now I'm here. Yeah, but because I'm gonna say because thankfully because. It sounds like you're you're doing. It sounds like just going over your comic book um, work history is um, you're doing. You, you, it sounds. It looked like you're doing a lot of work for Marvel. Off the cuff question: Can I ask you how did you get get hooked up with Marvel? Um, just similar, similar way to how I got hooked up with Dark Horse is I just kept posting consistently mm-hmm. on social media, just like. Sample pages, sample mm-hmm. sequential pages. If anyone who's interested in making comic books is listening to this, editors want to see actual comic book sequential pages. Mm-hmm. Pinups are nice. Mm-hmm. And if you can do a really good pinup, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. They want it, but they want to see sequential storytelling. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's something that an artist told me when I sent them my ash can at a convention mm-hmm. so i took that advice and i just started drawing little sample pages sets of them and posted them and eventually i just got uh, an email from will moss who works uh who's an editor for thor mm-hmm. and all the like kind of thor adjacent properties at marvel yeah. and mm-hmm. he asked me to do the uh the word Thor the Worthy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Part of that anthology. So it's just consistent posting of material, mm-hmm. new stuff that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and then that's what I'm going to say. It's a very good segue on new stuff that you're working on because I'm going to, I'm going to shift the focus onto the um, Ant-Man miniseries. That's, and I didn't know this. That it's celebrating Ant Man is celebrating its 60th anniversary. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna start off with this question at first. I'm gonna switch it around a little bit. How did you get this awesome gig? I'm trying to think how I got it because on honestly, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. It's not very interesting. I think I just got an email no, from know. Aaron Chan. Yeah. I worked on X-Men Marvel Snapshot with. Yeah. We, before COVID hit, were working on an issue of Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. That Mark Wade was writing. Mm-hmm. And um, right at the midway point of us working on that, uh, the book got canceled because of COVID. Oh, I, I, I knew which Because of the supply chain yeah. issues. And they had to cancel a lot of books and put some other books on hold so that was some that was a casualty of that um and since then we wanted to work together on something and he came to me after i was almost done with the thing Mm -hmm. asked if i wanted to work with al on this ant-man book and i Mm -hmm. said yeah Mm -hmm. so that's it (laughs) (laughs) okay now for listeners i'm going to ask without any spoil without any spoilers 
can you just you know give give us what is the miniseries of the Ant-Man miniseries about? It is kind of a celebration of the legacy mm-hmm. of the Ant-Man character. Yeah. Because there have been multiple Ant-Men through history. There's been Hank Pym, the original. There's mm-hmm. been Scott Lang, who's mm-hmm. the most famous for sure. Mm-hmm. And then Eric O'Grady, mm-hmm. who's just not a very good guy. Yeah. <laughs> and probably a lesser known Ant-Man for sure. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, it's a celebration of the, the history of the character. Mm-hmm. And we've incorporated some time travel. Yes. Into it. We've created our own Ant-Man of the future. Mm-hmm. Who has a reason for wanting to interact with all these characters mm-hmm. and bring them together. Yes. In a way they've never been brought together before. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you what mm-hmm. that reason is. Yeah. But it is a fun time travel caper featuring all of the Ant-Men. Every issue, I kind of draw it a little bit differently to fit the time period. Uh, Issue one, I did my best Don Heck impression because he was the artist on these Tales to Astonish books that Mm -hmm. I was kind of using as research. Yes. Took kind of the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because some of the issues are a little bit rushed through mm-hmm. i tried to do the same thing kind of mm-hmm. i didn't really pay attention to what i was drawing when i was drawing it so that maybe if i forgot to put something in a page that was in a previous page i would just leave it because mm-hmm. that's what uh, i think that's what don would have done <laughs> he also used to love in like every issue of ant-man i looked at that he drew mm-hmm he would just put a little matchbook next to Ant-Man to show uh-huh. that he had gotten small. Uh-huh. And he just put a really big matchbook next to him. Oh, okay. So I did that for one of my shots, and I'm proud of that. Oh, okay. Because there's no way to really tell that he got small unless you put something that's yes. usually really small next to him. Mm-hmm. He picked a matchbook every time, even if there was, like, nowhere to put it mm-hmm. in the actual scene. He just shoved it in. Mm-hmm. Oh, but um, so listen li- for listeners. You know, um, you know. I before we started the interview, I told Tom I read the first issue. I think it it's great. It, you know, um, Tom. I love, like you said, um, you cap to me to me. You captured the nineteen sixties look not only of the setting where um, Hank and um, Janet are in the 60s, but the thing is, but I also love how you guys also did almost like, um, you know, um, the, the, how you guys made the page look a little bit yellowish. The color is not yeah. as bright. It's almost like, literally, I, because I, I, it's almost like, it reminded me of um, when I read um, uh, like those um, old um, like, and I'm, and I'm, and I, I'm not, I'm not making this up because I still have it. This old um, 1960s comic book is their covers are gone, you know, but it's all reprints of when Jack Kirby did drew Ant-Man's origin, 
you know, yeah. Ditko, you know, I mean, you know, the reprint, and it's just, you see the paper, it's all yellow, the colors are faded, because I remember reading that as a kid, and when I was reading Ant-Man number one, just reading, just seeing that, it kind of, you know, it, it, it just brought me back to those memories of, oh my yeah. God, yeah, you know? And that was all Jordy, too, it was all her idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I just turned in the black and whites, and she put all the color on it, and she's one of the best in the business, mm-hmm. so... I'm excited to be working with her. And that was all her idea. And just like I'm col- I'm like drawing things differently every issue, she's coloring differently every issue. Oh, okay. so a, we've, we've got a lot of room to experiment on this one, which is yeah. a lot of fun. And I think what's, um, and I'm not going to spoil anything because I know um, the previews world already have the solicits out for each issue because I think, the great yeah. thing about this miniseries is you guys are going through the different time periods of Ant-Man history. Yeah. And you're just trying to capture the flavor and the feel of it. And that's great. That's, that is it. Yeah. Is the mm-hmm. essence. Issue two, I do my best Hester impression, Phil Hester and Andy Parks. Mm-hmm. I, I dip into that wheelhouse a little bit. It's, that was super fun. Mm-hmm. Apologies to Phil, <laughs> but uh, and then Jordy colored it very similar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to how it was colored back in the day. So now for that second issue of Phil Hester, you know, trying to capture the Phil Hester feel, I'm just asking: Did you reach out to Phil? Go, hey, my name's Tom. I did not reach out to Phil. <laughs> I do like Phil, okay. and I've met him before. Oh, okay. But I did not reach out to him. I just thought I would do it in honor of him. Yeah. He'll see it later, probably. And okay. I'll say sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, off the cuff question. So, um, when you saw these, um, what were your thoughts when you saw Al's script and the idea of doing this four part um, miniseries of? You know, basically Ant-Man's legacy. I thought it would be a lot of fun. I thought it could be challenging, and it was, because four parts kind of going through history lends itself to maybe several different art styles being used, which is what I ended up doing. And uh, that takes a lot more thought than just doing what you know through the whole four, which I could have done, probably, mm-hmm. and it would have worked. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to try something a little bit different. And that always comes with a little more work, a little more effort, Mm -hmm. mental kind of gymnastics Mm -hmm. to figure out how you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. So that was exciting to me. Mm -hmm. And also the scripts are all really fun. And I'm not going to tell you anything that are in them. Yeah. They're all very fun and they show a deep understanding of the character. Mm -hmm. I know Alice said that Ant-Man is one of his favorites and you can tell. Nice, yeah. And maybe I, I think I like Ant Man a, a, a bunch more than maybe I did before I started drawing the book. Yes, yeah. I mean, he's cool, and the shrinking power is super fun. It's fun to draw. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna say I, I, I understand where you're coming from because, you know, um, you know, um, because you know, reading the, you know. I, reading some of the 
like when the Ant-Man came out in the 1960s, it was, it was kind of interesting. His, his villains were not that great or, you know, or, or that rememberable. Like Egghead is the only one I only can remember. Of There's here. not many memorable Ant-Man villains, except for if you count Ultron. Yes. Who he created, which is yeah. maybe one of the most memorable Marvel mm-hmm. villains. Yeah. Besides yeah. Doctor Doom and yeah. all of Spider-Man's villains. But yeah, but but like you said, for Al's love of Ant-Man, um, and your and your artwork in the first issue to capture the 1960s feeling. Like I said, that first issue is great. I love it because it shows the fun. It, it, it looks back with fondness and love and ha- also has fun with it. Yeah. You know, but yeah. So, um, now this is a process question. It's um, from Drew. You know, um, were you given full scripts um, for the, during this series? I was. With Al given full scripts, mm-hmm. just like panel breakdowns of what he wanted in every panel mm-hmm. on every page. Mm-hmm. And um, that was helpful to me, of course. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the less you have to think, the, the smoother everything is. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is comes down to instincts mm-hmm. when you're working on a deadline. So, mm-hmm. And I just, sometimes you don't know what some people want. It makes you question what you need to put in. Mm-hmm. Al told me what he wanted, and I put it in, and I added some stuff myself. Yeah, that he was that he was cool with. That's nice. And so it was nice. It was very fun. It was a fun ride. Yeah, that is really nice. Um, let's see. I know you already gave a shout out to Jordi Belair, the colorist. Um, you also gave a shout out to your editor, um, Darren. I, I'm just, is there anyone else? You, um, do you want to give a shout out to your letterer? I'm just asking. Of course, yeah. Corey Pettit. Mm-hmm. He did some awesome stuff with the letters. He brought Thought Bubbles back for issue one. That's right. I love. I forgot about was, that. That lends, it, that lends a lot to the classic 60s look. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, He also came up with these awesome kind of future captions for the future parts of the book. Yes. Mm-hmm. That are, I don't want to spoil anything about it. It kind of, they kind of tell you how you're supposed to read the book as the reader. It's mm-hmm. kind of a meta commentary. From yeah. Al, and I like just the shape of those. Yes. Mm-hmm. Boxes. It's, it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, Caitlin Grigorowitz mm-hmm. is the assistant editor. Mm-hmm. She's very nice. Mm-hmm. She helped Aaron keep the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to work with both of them. Nice to work with Darren again. Mm-hmm. He's a cool guy. Yeah. That's nice. So the whole team is very nice. It was a pleasure to work on the book. And I'm excited for people to see the other issues. It yeah. seems like people like issue one, which is a lot better than them not liking issue one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think. All right. Now, no spoilers. And I know I'm jumping ahead. And like I said, I read the previous solicit about issue four. 
is the final issue of this mini series. I'm good. I'm just asking how wild is issue four going to be? How wild will it be? I think pretty wild. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It was a, it was a lot of hard work to make. So <laughs> it's kind of a wild ride to, to draw it. Mm -hmm. The way that I draw the future scenes is kind of the yes. most simple style of all four issues, but it's mm -hmm. by far the hardest to mm -hmm. put together. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's going to fully translate to the reader mm -hmm. how much I had to bust my ass to get it done. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I hope they enjoy it. And I, think it I, I think it gets pretty nuts. It's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. It was very fun to draw. So. Okay. All right. Um, now, what is your top three bucket character or books you want to go to work on next or in the future and just go for it doesn't have to be traditional stuff it doesn't have to be spider-man you know it can be a comic or a character that you love while growing up something you know some random comic that you bought two or three issues and it was gone you know some obscure yeah. character you like to bring back you're gonna love this answer probably um spider-man is number yeah. one <laughs> yeah because i've always liked the character spider-man i think yeah. everybody does he's a he'd be super fun he's most of my sketches that i do for fun are spider-man mm -hmm. various different spider-men so i would love a crack i had one in the halloween special but i'd love a proper sequential kind of yeah. grid page mm -hmm. go with spider-man i think that'd mm -hmm. be fun I'm a big Conan the Barbarian fan. Oh, yeah. Um, I love the Schwarzenegger movie. Yes. I like that kind of high fantasy, high adventure stuff. I think that would be super fun to draw. Mm -hmm. um, so I would love a shot at Conan or mm -hmm. similar character. Mm -hmm. And then I'm trying to think of the third one. I mean, that, I'm not entirely you... sure. Yeah. I like Booster Gold a lot from DC. Oh, that'd be nice. Booster Gold or like a Lobo book. Yeah. Lobo's, um, Lobo's pretty fun. But Booster Gold is very fun. Yeah. And uh, and then also I put forward something maybe I come up with myself or with yeah. somebody else. Yeah. So it would be very fun. All right. Now, if DC comes calling, literally, after they hear this interview, they give you a call. Hey, we want to do a six-part uh, Booster Gold. You know, we're gonna have. Oh, I'm trying to think of someone's name. James Tinian the Fourth. You want to do it? <laughs> um, I can't right now. I might be busy. <laughs> I might be busy right now. I may. Have, I may have to wait a little bit. <laughs> but I know a lot of people who know James, and I know <laughs> people who are working with him right yeah. now and yeah. he's a very nice guy and also won the eisner award for best comic book writer again yeah mm -hmm. he's one of the best yeah so i'm excited to see what they're all doing with him mm -hmm. and it'd be tough to turn down that book for sure if i were offered that mm -hmm. in a hypothetical scenario oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right um I'm just going to switch around the questions just a little bit because I want to go back. I want to ask you a question 
um, that you talked about on the um, Jacked Kirby podcast because it's an um, you did a, um, you did a short story for now you now I'll just ask the question so how was it working with Chris Claremont for his Paragon collection um, and now for listeners now what I briefly read about um, and I think it's the comic book resources article is that I, I think these, it's like a Marvel, it's Marvel made Paragon collection. It kind of sounds like it's more of an exclusive Marvel sort of crowdfunding thing um, that if it's, you know, fully funded, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll release it or something. Now, um, of course, the um, it's all it's closed now. They did reach their goal. They have like they at that time they when they closed it, it was like two thousand um, and eighty five people had pre ordered this book. So I'm going to ask, can you talk a little bit about that Chris Claremont and Paragon collection and how you got involved? I think so. In that? Yeah, that's something that not a lot of people know about. I think because mm-hmm. it was an exclusive kind of Kickstarter run thing. Yes. There's a whole collection of Chris Claremont's X-Men run in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It was like this big. And my, um, it was technically a Wolverine comic mm-hmm. that I drew for him, but it featured like all of the X-Men like fighting Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. And it was really awesome. I don't know what I'm allowed to really share about it. I've mm-hmm. shared some panels or pages from mm-hmm. it on my Twitter way back but um it was a stretch goal so they'd already met their goal of like funding and this Mm -hmm. was just a little extra they tacked on nice and it had a steve mcniven cover that was really good and it was a lot of fun to draw Mm -hmm. talking about writers who know what they want you to draw yeah chris claremont knows exactly what he wants you to draw so Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to ask, so how, you know, how did you get the call to work with Chris? Um, I just got an email again. <laughs> I, just got, I, I had just finished. I was just about to finish something and I got an email from an editor that I've worked with before. Mm-hmm. Annalise. Lisa. Mm-hmm. I knew her last name. I just didn't know if I was going to say it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> paused. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just asked me if I wanted to do this thing with the X-Men. And I mm-hmm. said yes. Mm-hmm. Getting to draw all of the X-Men is, uh, of course, with Chris Claremont writing. That, is mm-hmm. a, that might be a bucket list thing. That's what yes. a lot of people would probably want to do. So, and also, it's very I- fun to do. And and nobody's seen, nobody's seen it. No one except for the however many people uh, got the book, 2,000 people have yeah. seen it. Yeah, because... Uh, not in shops or anything. Nobody knows yes. that I drew that pretty much. But it's super fun to have worked with Chris on all, with all the X-Men, except Cyclops wasn't in <laughs> it, sadly. He's my favorite. Mm-hmm. But I... I have to say, but for you to, I mean, to do, to work with Chris Claremont for an exclusive thing, that's, that's incredible. Like you said, it's it was, a bucket list. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. He's, he's the guy who defined the X-Men. Yeah. 
the modern X-Men. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was it was definitely fun. Mm-hmm. Um wow, okay. So okay, so um let me ask you so this is what I'm gonna ask your next question is because I know I know on your website um you post some like action figures. How big of an action figure fan are you? I made those in college just because uh-huh. I thought it'd be fun. Yeah. It was like I had an I had an option to do an independent study senior year uh-huh. that I could have used to like get better at uh, drawing comic books. Uh-huh. But I, for some reason, decided to make action figures instead uh-huh. because I wanted to try sculpting stuff. Uh huh. Because I thought it looked fun, and I thought it might inform my drawing somehow. Being able to work in three D. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, can help inform how you draw in two D. They were about they're about seven inches tall, or maybe oh, no, they were like five inches tall. Yeah, they were like He Man. Yes, here's like five points of articulation. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, that's what I was inspired on or inspired by. I like went to an old toy store and bought a, a cruddy little He Man mm-hmm. here, and I just um, what I did to uh, I had to like sculpt all the pieces out of clay, like sculpt. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn how to make molds and stuff. And I actually molded and cast the pieces out of like plastic. Uh huh. So they're actual plastic pieces and they connect because yes. I took this old He Man figure uh-huh. and I just I popped his arms off. And the arms have the little kind of socket on them. Yes. They stick on. I just stuck that socket in a little like tray of rubber and mm-hmm. I molded that socket. Oh. And then I, um, that's what I used is like the connector for yeah. the arms and stuff because I had no idea how to do that. Mm-hmm. Because so I just stole it from He Man action figures <laughs> and they held up. Mm-hmm. Because I've never tried to do it since. Mm-hmm. I just thought it would be a fun thing to do while I had the resources because recently yeah. had like a really nice kind of sculpture department where I could go and like work in a ventilated environment while oh, yeah. not inhaling the fumes yeah. from, mm-hmm. from resin and plastic and, and rubber because yeah. they are pretty volatile. Mm-hmm. So I just figured I'd, I'd try something I probably would never try to do again mm-hmm. while I had the chance. And then and they, I, I thought they looked pretty cool. They did. So they were cool enough for somebody to steal them. Somebody stole them right before I left. Oh my. It was like the day before I moved out. Somebody just took them. So I no longer have them. Mm-hmm. Oh. I do have the molds. I'm pretty sure, though. I could make more. I'm mm-hmm. never. I'm probably not going to do that. Yeah, I'd, I'd sooner sculpt new ones and do yeah. a better job. Yeah, make ones out of those. Mm-hmm. But because because those action figures, because you made three action figures and you did your your cardboard backing too, and it was called. Was it Romulus? The Romulus Flex action? Romulus Flex. That was his name. Yeah. You know. He was like a space bounty hunter. And the the villain was like a guy with a T-Rex head. Yes, I thought. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I had a friend who was in the the furniture department who had access to a vacuum forming machine. And she helped me create like a buck. Yeah. That I could vacuum form like the plastic clamshell over the. Mm-hmm. The cardboard backing that I made. 
and that was super cool. It, was, it looked really legit, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I made a full size. You know how you see in like a toy store or something, a cutout with a cardboard cutout. Yes. Of I made a full size, like six foot Romulus Flex cardboard cutout. Mm-hmm. I stuck him up, and I bought like a pegboard at Home Depot. Uh huh. I chopped it down. Yeah. And I stuck them all on the pegboard. And that was my like senior exhibit at school. That is so cool. I. And then somebody stole all of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just throwing I, off the cuff question. Have you thought of doing a Romulus Flex, your own Romulus Flex co- um, comic? I thought about it in college when I made them because all the He Man figures came with the mini comics in them. Yeah. But then that was like, it was enough work already to make the, the figures. So I wasn't going to make the mini comic too. Plus I was, I wasn't any good at making comic books in college really. I had a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. I wasn't any good at making the figures either. Probably. I think I could do better now. Oh no. But, yeah. But it looked, but on the webs on your website, it looked awesome. It did. Yeah, it's, like, oh, yeah. Char- my girlfriend took the pictures of them and she made them look a lot better than they do look in person. But I'm just asking, you know, like when you have free time, let's say in the next year or two, you ever thought of, you like doing your own Romulus Flex um, comics? I don't don't know if I would explore his origin. Yeah. Any further? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. If I have any free time, I'm probably going to take it to like actually relax just kick back because mm-hmm. I don't get to do a lot of that at the yeah. moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe stay away from the drawings work for a little bit, mm-hmm. which is tough to do. I'll like get a week off or something mm-hmm. or a few days off after I finish an issue. Yeah. And like a day later, I'm wanting to draw something again, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I know that I should probably take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm slowly wrapping things up, Tom. Right. Um, what is the most fun or exciting thing that you love working in comics right now? It's a tough question. Can I just say that I like all of it? Yeah, that's it's not, fine. Yeah, it's, I'm kind not... Of a, it's not yeah. a great answer, but it's kind of all fun for different reasons. Yeah. And it's, I like the challenge of it. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Not everybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I like kind of wrestling with it, figuring out how I'm going to do it. Yes. And trying to execute it mm-hmm. to the best of my abilities. Everything kind of has its own thing I like about it, all the different steps of making a comic book. Mm-hmm. I got to try and find something to like in it or else it'd be really hard to continue doing it. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like seeing it all finished at the end. You don't really get to see it all completed until it comes out. I don't like get sent a P- PDF with all the word balloons in there or anything. Mm-hmm. So I just get to see it when everyone else gets to see it. And I enjoy that. Yeah. Getting to see kind of the fruits of the labor. Mm-hmm. So that might be the thing I. No, nah, that's not the thing I like the most. I think I just like making it in general. Yeah. 
And no matter what other people think of it, I if I enjoy my time making it, then that's enough for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, but yeah. No, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Couple more questions. Um, favorite convention moment, either as a fan or as a creator? It might be the last convention I was at before COVID was New York Comic Con 2019. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had just joined, um, I just joined Modern Mythology Comic Art. Mm -hmm. And the guy who runs that, Josh Raybuck, became my art representative. So as soon as I joined him, he got me into New York Comic Con like the next day, which is very nice. Wow. I think we do. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of talented artists who he also reps who I guess recommended me mm -hmm. to him to like represent, which is nice of them. Mm -hmm. My favorite convention moment is probably getting to meet all of them mm -hmm. in person because you it's a solitary business mm -hmm. making comic books. It might, it's kind of tough to make friends. Mm -hmm. You don't really see much anybody while you're drawing. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to meet them all in person and make personal connections with them. And I think we, ever since we've all kind of been friends, we talk pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. um, that's gotta be it probably. That's so cool. That's really cool. Yeah, they're all very fun people. Mm -hmm. All right, you're, we've, you mentioned before that you've got some upcoming convention appearances. Um, so, you know, where, yeah, so where are you going to, um, yeah, so um, where, um, convention appearances in August, September, like, you know, sometime in either mid-August or September, I need to check the calendar. Real yeah, when these things are, um, cool. I'm going to be at Fan Expo Boston, mm -hmm. and that is. Let me find out here. No, oh, yeah. FanExpoHQ.com. August 12th to 14th. Okay. All right. I'll be in uh, Boston. Ah, okay. And then, if my passport situation. Mm -hmm. I may have sent out some paperwork to get a renewal on my passport today. Mm -hmm. From August 25th to 28th, I'll be in Toronto for Fan Expo Canada. Oh, that'd be nice. Which I've heard is a really fun show. I hope mm -hmm. I get to make it. I've heard from multiple people that it's super fun. So. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and um, then in October, October 6th through 9th, I'll be at a New York Comic Con again. Oh, that's going to be nice. I'll be sharing a table with my friend, Rosie Gifford. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. she offered to split one with me, which is nice. Oh. New York, uh, New York Comic Con tables are not cheap. Mm -hmm. so. No, yeah. Mm -hmm. but yeah, no. That'd be fun to go back. I like New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of work, though. Mm -hmm. It's like an actual business trip. Mm hmm. They're all business tricks. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. A <laughs> um, couple more questions. Um, have you and your family been to Hawaii? I've been there once. I think it was. It was in like 2011 or something. 
Yeah. And I actually been there twice. Okay. Um, and it was like the same kind of area. I think I went to like Waikiki Beach. Yeah. And I went to like a black sand beach. It was super cool. Mm-hmm. I went to the beach that uh, they filmed Lost at. Oh. Well, I'm just trying to remember what beach it was. But yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And there were like a bunch of sea turtles just on the beach. And we just yeah. Kind of looked at them. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I learned that touching a sea turtle is a federal crime. Yes. Oh, yeah. So yes. I didn't. Yeah. So I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they were cool. Though. They were big. They were like <laughs> very big. Mm-hmm. I don't. I not. I can't really think of something to compare them to, like size-wise, that people would really understand how big they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, any closing words to our listeners? God, wait. One more thing about Hawaii. I just. Oh yeah, that's fine. My, because I feel like this is something people don't usually get. My. Uh, my stepbrother lived in Hawaii for like 10 years or something. Yeah. He, um, he used to be in the military. He used to be a submarine operator in the military. Wow. Mm-hmm. Navy. So he got us like a private tour of like the Pearl Harbor airstrip, like military base. For, Cause like people can't go there anymore. Yeah. So we just drove around Pearl Harbor. It was kind of cool. Oh, that's nice. It was interesting to see, and there were still like ships jutting out of the the ocean from mm-hmm. what happened at Pearl Harbor, and they were still leaking like yes. oil and like fuel. Yes, pretty, pretty nuts. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, that's my experience with Hawaii. It was very fun. Mm-hmm. Um. Any closing words to our listeners? Um, thank you for listening. And if you pick up my books, either before this or because of this interview, I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Me and the teams who worked on the books worked very hard on them. Mm-hmm. So thank you. So, so, you know, Tom, mahalo. Thank you for, Thank you in Hawaii. Thank you very much for your time. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you. You know, I wish you all the success with the Ant-Man miniseries. You know, um, I also want to thank Sue, you know, um, for help setting up this interview. Um, If you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, please check out the four-part Ant-Man miniseries. The first issue is out already. Um, The second issue comes out on um, August 31st. Um, I'm just going to throw this in here. I read the first issue. I love it. Um, You know, um, Tom, you you know, Al and Tom in that first issue captured the, the, um, the, the sense of the 1960s, you know, um, it shows, you know, the, a real, love for the Ant-Man um, for the Ant-Man character you know it, and it's really great and I forgot to mention this Tom but I love that last page where um, I believe your editor Darren included that you know I think he they put references to um, I think the villains that appeared, that appeared in issue number one like yeah, yeah this is where you can find them in this issue in this issue that that is really cool that's great yeah and it'll open up the It'll maybe show a lot of other people. Yeah. 
different Ant-Man stories. Yes. That they may not have read before. Mm-hmm. They're pretty fun. Also, too, I want to also mention um, um, Tom, um, Tom also um, drew the Thing miniseries. And the Thing, the next big thing, trade paperback, again, comes out probably sometime either end of August or the beginning of September. If you have not read that series, if you get a chance, please pick up that trade paperback. Um, I want to thank Drew, the coast of Comics for Fun and Profit. Drew, thank you very much for putting this episode together and all your hard work behind the scenes. Now, um, if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listener. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Thank you. Aloha. Jason's always asking who his next interview should be. As you guys know, he does a fantastic job of reaching out to these creators, their publicists, their pub publishers, various people coordinating these interviews and sharing them with us. And we appreciate it very much. But he's always trying to, to do more. He's always asking for the right mix to reach out for. So I'm opening it up to you guys. Just share. Share on our social media platforms. Send us an email. Let us know who you want us to interview, what your dream interview people are or up-and-comers you'd like to hear from. Jason only has so many hours in the day, and he has quite a schedule, but he'd, he'd love to hear your thoughts and any other feedback you have on the interview episodes. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate it.